0: you started paying closer attention to your Myronies. What if you started connecting the dots, or as I like to say, follow the spiritual breadcrumbs that could have an impact so big that it changes your life forever, not to mention the lives of others. Now, that's myrony.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the story of you, and that's myrony combination podcast video cast i have with me alicia myronic and she's been a dear friend of mine for i'd say over six months now we've known each other for a little bit there alicia i would love it if you could let our listeners know who you are and what is
0: myrony well thank you so much Denny, and thank you for for being the host of the show today for that's myrony um, so <laughs> uh so again my name is Alicia Myronic and I'm in San Jose, California. I'm originally from the East Coast near New York City in New Jersey. Um and Myrony is a concept that I feel that I'm just a messenger of this word. Where Myrony is my irony where we take out the i cuz it's not about eyes about uh, it's about something so much greater than us, you know, and actually I say it's it's about we and it, but it's your own personal irony that I look at it from a more spiritual perspective. It's those signs that we see when we're like, huh, that's kind of funny. So my irony are the crazy coincidences that happen in life that we truly can't explain. And another way of describing it is it's synchronicity in motion. You see those signs and then there's an action we, we can take when we trust that inner knowing. And so when you start really tapping into those, uh, paying attention to those external signs, and then you start trusting those internal pulls, it leads you in a very interesting path. And my goal is for people to share their myronies in addition to their selfies, you know, in life.
1: And what a wonderful vision that is of the way forward. Could you imagine that a world where people are talking about how, synchronicities in motion happen how myronies connect them together versus a selfie of just me
0: yeah that's exactly and it's amazing when you start hearing people's stories and then you start connecting them and it's like you know we connect these dots it's like it's the divine design that interweaves us together it's not just at this very surface level. It can go really, really deep. And, and you may not even know what the connection is until years later. But there's something, if most people, and that's what I find really fun, is when, you start, when people start recognizing this, and they can go back in their life and be like, wow, if that didn't happen, then this wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those things that have happened are some of the ugliest things that have happened in our life. But they were truly meant for a greater reason, you know, to bring us to where we are today.
1: So part of the story of you, which is my side of this uh, equation, is finding out who you are at the beginning, the journey there to find out how you got to where you are today. So let's start from the beginning. Where did you grow up?
0: So I grew up in uh, Sparta, New Jersey, which is about an hour outside of New York City. And um, I had a very interesting uh, childhood in that my father was a pilot for American Airlines. And so I had the great privilege of flying, you know, pretty much whenever and didn't really realize how lucky I was you know, until many, many years later. <laughs> I was very fortunate. I had incredible parents that um, they really, truly had a beautiful soulmate relationship. I don't ever remember them fighting to a point where I thought, oh my goodness, they could get divorced. And, and, you know, I just felt so, so lucky to have had that kind of, you know, love and, and uh, everything, you know, with my childhood was, was really wonderful. It wasn't until I was older that things all of a sudden really made uh, drastic shifts.
1: (laughs) Well, we'll get to those stories in a second. So uh, how were you in school?
0: Um, I was in school. I mean, I was always one of those people who um, I always wanted to do my best. Um I did notice, you know, when I was younger, I definitely I had a, I was very creative as a child and then that inner creativity totally shut down at some point, you know, when you get to that point where you're like you're not good enough, you know, you're all the insecurities definitely started rearing its ugly head in grade school and you know just kind of shut down that side to me. So uh, I still at this point don't think I'm the most creative, you know, compared to what I was when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was always, I was making, oh, geez, those, um, not sock, they're not sock puppets, but they were, they were like little, it's kind of weird, they were made like from pantyhose, like making these puppets and you know, creating these musical plays, and I mean, it was just, you know, I thought I could do everything. I wanted to be a fashion designer. I wanted to sing, I, you know, I wanted to just do whatever, uh, you know, my heart's content. And then it's very interesting though, what is it that then shuts that down?
1: Mm -hmm. And that begs the question then, so what do you think was the aspect in life that started shutting down that creativity?
0: Um, I just think that the pressure, um, you know, when we're at certain ages that when you're with your peers and you just feel like you're not good enough and then you just kind of slowly shut down more and more and so insecurities was always a very big very big issue for me
1: what type of insecurities do you did you feel through that period of time and how did that make you feel
0: Well, I remember, I remember specifically in fifth grade, um, there was, you know, for whatever reason, girls always think that they're fat, doesn't matter how thin they are, they just never think that they're good enough. And so there was a, a, you know, um, a couple girls, they were, they were twins, and they were literally model size. And so they thought they were fat. So then, of course, everybody else thought that they were fat. And so, you know, that, that led to, pretty severe body dysmorphia on my part, you know, like I um, I was very lucky I never was bulimic because I, I had a friend. I always knew that if I ever allowed myself, maybe a little graphic, but allowed myself to throw up, I knew I would be done for. I would always bring myself to certain points that it was like, okay, if you go too far, you know you're not gonna come back from that. And so, but you know, never, Really, truly restricting food, and you know, definitely, just not a healthy image of myself. I didn't have a, I didn't have a healthy image of myself. Where, and you know, I'll still admit it, I still struggle with that.
1: Um, <clears throat> when you were going through high school and through grade school, what were some of the good and bad memories that you had?
0: Good and bad memories. Well, good memories, I mean, I definitely, so many of my memories of traveling with my family was just always incredible. I was very fortunate where we would vacation in Bowie every year. So that was, yeah, that was pretty special. That was a long trip from the East Coast. You know? <laughs> so so having those, have just having those special memories of my, with my family and um, uh, the, the bad memories I guess it just comes down to the same thing. It's just like when you're not comfortable with yourself, you know, you really do. We are our own worst critics. And we are definitely harder on ourselves than in most cases anybody else can be. And so it's, it's trying to overcome that. And, mm-hmm. you know, from this, um, from this higher self perspective, it's like, okay, you know, why, why do we put ourselves through that?
1: The, the aspects that you put yourself through, how did you pull yourself back from the edge? Because you, you were saying a bit about you knew if you went too far, it would be too hard to come back. So how did you figure out that moment of where you were at the edge?
0: I, it's funny. I've always had this where I know if I go too far with something, I would just That would be it. You know, you have a choice to go one way or the other way. And I always knew that if I went too far this one way, chances are I wouldn't come back from that. So when it came to the body dysmorphia side, I knew that once I knew that trick, that would probably be the end of me. Maybe not truly the end of me, but, you know, really go into a place that I wouldn't be able to pull myself back from. and then later in, um, when I was uh, 17, I was in a car accident and, um, in within a year that triggered, uh, fibromyalgia in myself. And, um, I was in such severe pain that, um, and that was, that was an extremely difficult time in my, in my life because the level of pain was just unbelievable. I mean, I, I, when Well, of course, you don't want to wish anything on your worst on your worst enemy, right? You know, none that kind of pain, but where you're just like, I would have these flare ups where it was like shooting, stabbing, burning pain, coursing through my body last for hours on end. And you just want to die. And you don't know how to get through it. So what did I do? I drank. I drank until, you know, I, I, I tried to Just uh, put myself into, you know, as numb a position as I possibly could. And so in the same way, it was kind of like I always knew how far I would go until it'd be like, okay, Alicia, now you're going way too far down a road that you don't want to be going down. Um, I was definitely highly suicidal then. And, you know, it was, that was a really, really, really dark road.
1: Did you feel that you were always alone during that period of time?
0: Yeah, I definitely did. Um, it's very hard and for you know uh, listeners and viewers, when you go through something and you don't think other people understand what you're going through. And so um, I think that helped me gain empathy for so many because when you go through many different struggles I mean, that was just, you know, one, one piece or, you know, the tip of the iceberg of what was going to be coming, uh, happening in my life of those, uh, of those life struggles that we go through, and, um, and I'm not saying that mine's the worst, not by any means, you know, there's people that goes through so much more, but when you deal with chronic pain and you can't explain it and people look at you and think that you look fine and healthy, that's a really, really hard one. And, you know, it's just like uh, a lot of masquerading, a lot of not being able to be who I was. I mean, I guess at that time, I didn't even know who I was. I mean, I would sleep 12, 14 hours a day because I couldn't keep myself awake. I mean, that was that was an interesting time. My poor parents. They, it took me seven and a half years to get through college because I would get to a certain point, and then I would have to like uh, drop out. You know, wouldn't be able to finish the semester. Um, you know, one of the things with fibromyalgia is uh, stress and lack of sleep is your two worst enemies. <laughs> <clears throat> and then later on, I found out a lot of it was diet related too. So there's you know things of learning how to manage and know where does it where does it come from but I do no matter what go through in life I do try to look from that again that higher perspective of that somehow we've chosen what it is that we want to overcome and in and truthfully how we overcome things is not from when things are going well it's from those darker times that then we can look at and reflect and then you know maybe see the silver lining and know that there was a reason for it all to be happening.
1: So when you were going through that dark time of alcohol and pain, what was your guiding light?
0: Oh, that's an interesting one. What was my guiding light during that?
1: Did you have a guiding light or was it just the sheer determination of will to get through it
0: a lot of a, a lot of tenacity i'll definitely i'll definitely say that about myself there definitely was determination in that sense um, you know it's funny though because i had when like i always believed in a higher power and um, i always you know I, I always felt things now that i look back on it but there was this one time I did have this near—I I really did have a near-death experience. Um, I was—it was—it was so—it uh, was, it was, so, was so crazy because it was before the time of cell phones that everybody had a cell phone. And my dad one day was like, "Hey, I want to see you." And I, I was going to college at this time, and I was like three hours away. I was like, "Okay, dad. Well, you know, can we meet like, you know, halfway?" And it was—it um, was crazy because my friend had just been in a car, her car was just hit and run in a hit and run accident. Like the, I had this dream about uh, losing control of my car. And then the next day this hit and run accident happened. I was like, oh, that's weird. And, um, but I kept having this reoccurring dream and it was always losing control of my car. And I've never had anything like that. Like it was like once a week for an entire month kept having this dream. It would just be a different scenario. And then this one day, um, it was funny. My brother was telling me I needed to downshift. I had a five-speed uh, Acura Integra, and, um, and I, so the one time I decided to downshift, it had just finished raining, and I was on a like on a ramp where it was two lanes was this ramp, and I lose control of my car, and I I'm about to hit the guardrail, and I somehow instinctively turn the wheel. I do a, a 360. So I'm still going backwards. All these cars are coming at us. I somehow turn the wheel again. I'm all the way on the other side and my car stalled out, but I turned the wheel and a big Mac truck came where I was. No one hit anybody because if somebody hit somebody, it would have been just an absolute pileup. And that was I knew that day I was somehow saved. And, you know, when those types of things happen, they stick with you, you know? Because so that was, that happened in my early 20s, I believe. And so that was like, that really stuck with me. So if you say a guiding light, it's like, okay, something, something, Something happened there. And then it was also this whole thing of just, I, I just wanted to make it through. I wanted to get through whatever this, where you feel like you're in a dark tunnel and it's like, how do you get out of it? There's gotta be a way out. So there was one time when I um, actually, uh, I had just had a horrible flare up. I literally was telling my, my brother the night before that I wanted to die. And then I ended up um, uh, going to, uh, my, uh, to an open mic night. And there was an ad in the bathroom about, uh, uh, about uh, I don't know if it was actually about boxing, but it was like, you know, get in shape, you know, personal one-on-one training. And I decided to call this guy. His name is Cliff Johnson. And he had this um, boxing club called Left L-E-F, Left Jab Boxing Club. And it was so funny. Use my earphones. Keep just popping out here. <laughs> uh, the um the uh, it was so funny because it was like the inside of a Rocky movie, like or it was from like a Rocky movie. Like everything was duct taped. Like the whole gym. I can't even tell you how much duct tape was in that gym. But it was so empowering because the first time I worked out, he said, you know, don't drink too much water. You, you'll probably throw up. And I decided at that moment, if I was going to be in pain, I was going to inflict it upon myself. And so it's amazing what the body can allow your mind, you know, allow, um, allow yourself to overcome. And I, even though I was in pain, I was again, just going to be like, I'm just going to, you know, do this to myself sort of thing and just kind of put all my other pain aside. And, you know, so yeah, I got into boxing for a bit because I was like, you know, if something's gonna beat me up, it's not gonna be this, you know, this condition that I don't understand. And, you know, so, so, so that sort of, ten, that sort of fight in me has always been there.
1: Where do you think that fight originated
0: from? Right, that's a good question just try, I I guess it just comes down to like, if you don't fight, what's going to happen? You're going to give in to, you know, that darker side of what's happening in life. And, um, that's, I guess that darker side was what really scared me when I was taken at times to that brink. Um, if anybody has dealt with, you know, such severe pain that you just You do really want to kill yourself, um, you know, whether it's mentally, emotionally, physically, whatever, pain is pain. And, you know, so when you get to those really dark places, how do you pull yourself out? So I think that was the fight that I was like, I knew I couldn't go down that, you know, super dark road. At least I didn't want to, even though I got really close many times. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That must've been super hard.
0: Well, that was the first part of it being super hard. And then, you know, and then, uh, things totally shifted in so many other ways where it seemed like things were going great, um, in certain aspects of life. And then, you know, another, uh Another thing happens in life, you know, and that was when my father became terminally ill. And I was not quite 28 when he passed away. And, you know, for for those that know part of my story, um, you know, that's where this all started from. When I started seeing these signs or when I, the most unbelievable things happened that I couldn't explain what was happening. And then it all fell apart.
1: (laughs) So, before we get to the falling apart, there was a good time, and that in that good time you met somebody.
0: I did, yes, yes. I thought he was one of. Well, I, I realize now that our relationships, we um, I believe we do connect with people. For you know, they, when yeah. when people say soulmates, um, <clears throat> there's different levels of soulmates. And but at this time I didn't quite um, know the difference in soulmates I guess and so um, you know I I definitely my past relationships I always was trying to help people and then um, in in this relationship it was you know this this person was, was trying to help me and it just seems like it was it was a wonderful equal balance and but I was still you know I look back on it and I was still you know an absolute mess because of the physical pain. I still hadn't figured out how to handle that. I was in the uh, restaurant business at this time. And so a lot of that is, again, masquerading, being able, it's almost like living off of adrenaline. And when you live off adrenaline, you can get through a lot. And then when you're done with it, then you crash, then you crash and burn in a lot of cases.
1: You mentioned the restaurant business. How did you get involved in the restaurant business?
0: Well, it's really funny because when I was 16 years old, the little voice inside of me said to go to Delaware. And I'd never been to the state before. And I was like, why do I want to go there? And it was the strongest feeling. And I mean, I only applied to two colleges, which is unheard of. Who applies to only two schools? Apparently me. So I... um, Uh, I went to this school and, you know, originally I wanted to do something, anything international because I love traveling, you know, looking at the business side, you know, that sort of thing. But when it got down to, um, because of the amount of times I would, you know, be taking classes and then at the end would have to drop out and then I would have to make them up, eventually it got to a point where it's like, okay, well, what can I actually get my degree in? You know, where do I have the most credits? And it kept leading me towards hotel restaurant management. And my since my dad was pretty much in the hospitality business of, you know, flying, <laughs> you know, like the hospitality side was always something. I just always loved working with people. And so it just seemed kind of like a natural fit. And so that's what I got my degree in. And um and it's it's funny because I um I did a very prestigious internship with Marriott that if I had chosen to work anywhere in the country, I would have been with Marriott. But something was like, no, you don't, you know, don't don't go down that path. So in some weird way, I feel like my higher self was like, you're just supposed to go down this much different road than you would ever, ever imagine. But it was because I stayed true to listening to whatever that inner voice was telling me.
1: I wonder if part of being in the hospitality industry was your experience traveling around with your father and uh, the job that he had kind of like opened your mind and opened your, your soul to that, that aspect of the world.
0: I, yes, I totally agree. I absolutely believe that that side of um, that hospitality, even though it was a... Like, it was funny, my dad actually wanted me to become a pilot, and, but it was after I went through, you know, freaking out-of-state tuition, where it cost my parents a fortune, he's like, well, why don't you get your pilot's license, and I was like, you know, I just was not mathematically inclined in the same way as him, and I was like, that's not really going to happen, (laughs) you know, but But I I mean, I have to say, like my dad, he loved flying so much. I always asked him if there was anything else he could have, he would have wanted to have done in his life. And, you know, that was it. He loved, he loved being a pilot. And so I think it's so, it's wonderful when we can get to that point where we truly can say, you know, we're really not working. I mean, that would be amazing, right? And so what I got to experience with that with my dad was always something so inspiring but yeah just um, naturally working with people and giving them that experience and so um, I've just always loved that
1: it's it's, a, it's an amazing aspect of, of interconnection and of, of being kind of not forcing but learning to be a part of the world in in a way that we can be the observer and the observee and the interactor <laughs> all at the same time.
0: Yeah, I always wanted to be of the more, if, if I could say one thing, being of the more worldly kind, you know, like be able to go wherever and people not be able to recognize necessarily where I was from, that I could kind of somehow... Uh, It's that that whole thing, you know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, you know, like really immerse yourself in what it is or where you are. And actually, I wanted to live in Europe more than anything for so long. Um, That's actually where my parents met, was on a Canadian Air Force base in France. And so they lived in Europe for many years. And so I always wanted to do that. But, you know, who knows what's going to happen in the future?
1: (laughs) It's still in the cards.
0: Right, exactly.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> I, I love the way that you uh, you were talking a bit about how you'd like to, I'm going to paraphrase here, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of chameleon your way into a zone. And uh, from some of your past podcasts, I love the way that you put it. It's like, I'm a Jersey girl, but I'm not ca- that kind of Jersey girl. <laughs> and I'd like you to explain a little bit about to our audience. What does that mean to you?
0: Well, it's very funny because there's parts of New Jersey that has such the strong Jersey accent. um, That's more on the, I guess, the New Yorker side or whatever. And um, New Jersey was given a really bad rap for a while. I mean, Jersey Shore did not do Jersey justice. (laughs) 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 You know, it was fine. But, you know, it's like, it's, well, there's all these, you know, stigmas that go around and, you know, you don't really, like where I grew up in New Jersey, I mean, it was beautiful. There were so many different, I mean, my, my town had like, what is it, five lakes or something? Like, it's all, you know, hills and lakes. I mean, it's gorgeous. And, and my town was built around, it was actually, um, it was originally farmland that they then turned into a summer lake community for people that lived in New York City. And so it was based around this one lake called Lake Mohawk that was 12 miles in circumference. So it's a big, pretty big lake. And so when you're on this water, you actually feel like you're in Europe because of just like how the, um, how the houses are like in the hills. And so it's just a beautiful, charming, quaint town. Now I can't say it was my favorite place of living because it was, you know, on the it was on the smaller side. And, you know, so it was, but I mean, overall, you know, it, it's it's great. It's just that I was definitely one of those people that I wanted to explore. I wanted to live in, you know, new places and had no idea what my destiny was going to be, but I was open to whatever that was.
1: Yeah. So going back to the restaurant. You owned that with your husband at the time, and then life started taking a turn.
0: Yeah, well, it was interesting because everything that happened—so um, uh, which I share, you know—in the first episode of this podcast. But for those that haven't heard this story, um, I was engaged and married in six days because my father was terminally ill. And he passed away one week to the time that I got married. And the, the wedding really was the wedding of my dreams. If, you know, people are like, how did you do this? And I know I didn't do it. (laughs) I definitely believe there was some massive guidance from above allowing it to happen because like, you know, the dress was the dress of my dreams. The shoes were the last pair of shoes in my size. I mean, two dress fittings in a week, like, that's unheard of, you know, and even, and I, and I was, I was born, uh, uh, born and married in the same hospital. I was even engaged in this hospital, which makes it even the concept of myrony. Like I have to be the only one that has been born, married and engaged in the same hospital. I I, I really can't imagine anybody else has had that experience.
1: <laughs> it's almost like the hospital was a nexus point in your life.
0: It It really was it was, I mean, it was, it's, it's kind of, it's unbelievable what all happened in that short period of time. And, you know, and and I knew I was, I absolutely knew I was going to marry this guy. And so I didn't get married just for my dad, but I also couldn't imagine not having my dad at my wedding. That was a total daddy's girl. And so we had this incredible wedding. There was actually like 50 guests and it was, it was unbelievable how that all transpired. But even down to the day before, it was torrential downpour. And the reception was gonna be in this courtyard of the hospital, which they had this beautiful courtyard. And um, and so when it was just, I mean, sheets of rain and everybody's like, what are you going to do? Cause what, we're gonna have this reception in the cafeteria that really was the only other option. And that's when I said, if there truly is a God, he will not take this away from my father. And at that time, I hadn't used the word God in I don't know how long. I was a, I was a universe girl. But I do want to say I, I never did not think that there was a higher power of some sort. That was one of the things I've never, you know, never would, would, would have given that up, saying that there's, there's nothing more than what our actual existence is. And so, but the fact that I used those words and then the next day ended up being the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful days I ever witnessed. There wasn't, there was not one drop of rain anywhere. It was unbelievable how it rained like that. And then just nothing and not a cloud in the sky and not, you know, it was in the mid seventies and that's unheard of on the East coast at the end of summer. Like it's just, not possible but then it was also around the the dates of um 821 is the day i you know challenged god in 822 i say god showed up well 821 was the restaurant name that i you know met my you know i met i met my husband at and so that's when when things got really interesting was when the numbers i would see these numbers all the time And that's when I started recognizing that these signs would be appearing more and more because what happened was after my dad passed, then the owner of the restaurant asked if we wanted to buy it. And so we thought this was an incredible opportunity. And so we ended up buying it and we're supposed to buy it on December 1st, but it ended up closing on December 8th, which is 821 backwards. And that is when my life really a few months later was when my life really, really went sideways. And so that was, um, I mean, geez, and my higher self was like, hey, you're going to go down this really fun road. You know, it was massive um, loss that happened in my in my family. And then when I didn't think things could get worse, they did. I was, you know, still dealing with the loss of my dad. And then this girl that worked for me, she decided she literally decided she I, I don't know she she actually lied about having cancer and going through chemotherapy when she had a hernia and this was coming up on the 1 year anniversary of my um, of my dad's passing of cancer and then she decided you know she was going to go after my husband and leave hers <laughs> and all started at her son's 1 year birthday party but the funny thing is is that that day that this happened there was every single sign from above was telling me not to go to this and he, even you know uh, my husband at the time was saying he didn't want to go and no did i pay attention to that not at all i mean our navigation would not would not take us there it was just one of the most ridiculous things and and so it's like when you look back and when you can really look at that you know hindsight is 2020, and you can see how you just literally led yourself right down this road, (laughs) but you didn't know where it was going to go to, but it was, uh, but it ended up being one of the greatest gifts, even though it was the most difficult thing I've ever experienced, because I see that somehow I chose that path and I chose it. I believe, you know, now granted, if maybe I, I had listened to that, Internal gut feeling, and you know, paid attention to the signs a little bit more. Well, yeah, then it'd be a totally different story. But what if I chose this path so that I could bring this greater awareness to others? It's not about just ourselves. And if we can start trusting, you know, that guidance, if we want to accept maybe there is guidance from above in whatever ways then it's, it's really powerful when we can start connecting to that. So if I had to go down this much darker road than I would have ever liked for that, then, then I'm happy to have done it. You know, uh, my, my married name was not Myronic, so maybe I had to go back to being Myronic to bring this concept of Myrony, um, you know, to bring this greater awareness and to connect us on this much deeper level.
1: Let's go into the world of of signs for you. What's the first memory you have of a sign being presented to you or guidance being presented to you?
0: To say the first memory um, would be, that would be really hard. Um, I mean, I did notice it with, with the numbers 821, 822, um, and then my father passed away on August 29th, and so I would see these numbers almost forward, backward, you know, see them in different ways. Like after everything, so after everything kind of fell apart in my relationship, I still had to, uh, I, I own this restaurant, so I still had to work, you know, and 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 be in this environment and you know, talk about um, what we we're talking about earlier about masquerading and, you know, putting on a face. There were people that didn't know what was going on. It was like, um, it, was, it was, uh, I was, I was in a small city. So I was, I was probably known, but didn't mean that everybody knew what was going on. It was, it was like the whole Angelina Jolie, Brad Pitt, Jennifer Aniston triangle, however, you know, on a much smaller scale which kind of was worse because you know so many people I mean you couldn't you just couldn't escape it I didn't have the money that I could just run away you know that sort of thing and um, and so I would start just seeing these signs of numbers and I'm just like what is it why was I starting to pay attention to that why would I start seeing them all the time all the time and then you know, I discovered that I had this gift where I somehow was able to tap into my father's energy I was being given messages from, from, from above in that sense. And, and I think that was one of the things that kept me alive for quite a while, because when your life truly falls apart and you, you just don't know how you're going to pull yourself out of it, I do think we need to connect to that higher space. Now, whether I was just crazy connecting in that way, I don't know, I don't think so. But, you know, it was um, it was so powerful of being like, okay, there's still something more. You know, that was always the thing. There's something more, there's something more. Just keep trying, just keep hanging in there until you get to that point and know that you'll get to the other side.
1: I love how you put it that way. And uh, if I could paraphrase it in from a different perspective, a vision is still helpful if it's real or not. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's your interpretation of, of what's being said or presented to you and the way forward. And if you can interpret it well and right, you can grow and be. Get closer to that higher self.
0: Hmm. Well, and then when you're receiving messages that you know you're not, you, there's no, there's no way you even made that up in your head. I mean, that that's where things can get really interesting. And so I was given this incredible gift that my mom had the same ability. Um, instead of um, uh, it was it was through something known as auto writing, and auto writing is where you basically Um, for me, when I do it, I I hold the pen very lightly, but it literally almost moves on its own and these messages come out and she was, she was the first one to discover that she could do that. Um, it was one of the most amazing things I'd had ever witnessed, um, where it was actually in my father's handwriting that this message came out. Now, my dad had some crazy handwriting. I can't explain what that was. I also know my mom was not crazy. So, I feel that in some cases we were both given this opportunity because if you only if only one person was able to do it, you will absolutely make yourself feel like you're crazy. And who knows, maybe I am still crazy. I don't know, but I can't deny what that was, right? And so then one of the most profound things that happened was when, you know, again, my life is just beyond falling apart and I had this feeling that my dad wanted to tell me something he said he, he wrote you know through this auto writing and I'm um, going back to the auto writing when my mom first showed this and I was like woo, I was like can I do that <laughs> and the message came out yes but it's going to take some time so it actually took me a couple months before I was able to tap into it but then when it did, it was amazing. My mom and I would be asking the same questions, getting the same answers. You know, we were in different states. Like we can't, we couldn't explain it. But at the same time, we couldn't deny it, right? And so, but the message that I was given from my dad was he's like, you need to believe in the Holy Family. This is when I knew I was not making any of this up in my head because I had turned against God, religion, anything in that sense not that there's anything wrong with this, is that I had put God in a box known as religion. You know, I was brought up Catholic. And so um, I never understood the concept we only live and die one time. That just made absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. And, um, and, I, and I, so I asked the question, I said, Catholicism is the answer? And he's like, no, it's like Taoism with the Holy Family. And I was like, what sort of weird cryptic message is that? But if you actually start looking at, from a perspective, and for the listeners, it's going down a totally different road than anticipated. (laughs) But if you look at it from the perspective of like, okay, if we look at what we consider the Holy Family, well, I believe the Holy Family is everybody who's doing God's work. You know, all the different, what if we take a piece of all the, the major religions and look at what that main focus is? but kind of put it together, you know, and from the perspective of, um, you know, on the, the Christian side of the holy family, you know, it's more like you look at Jesus, how could you not want to be connected to Jesus? You know, completely of compassion and non-judgmental. And, and then it's like, and and then you look at the beauty of the the holy text that out that's out there. But maybe we shouldn't be necessarily taking it, you know, word for word. Maybe there's messages within those messages. And it's really our own personal relationship. So when I started, when when that came about, that was really like, what the heck does that mean? And at this time, I had um, been introduced to the books by Dr. Brian Weiss. The first book was Many Lives, Many Masters. And so the biggest irony was that it was my friend who took my wedding pictures, gave me this book the day before I, um, the day before she moved away. And without that book, I know I knew I wouldn't have survived. I would not have made it through. Just you know, the when, however, anybody is heartbroken, and how you pull yourself out of it, you know, sometimes you do. You get into those absolute depths of despair. And what is it that's going to pull you out? And that book was so powerful because uh, Dr. Brian Weiss was an agnostic psychiatrist who risked his entire career to write this first book. And that was one of the things that I found even more powerful was that he was someone who did not believe. And and one of the things, one of the, the predominant messages is your higher self chooses it all. And I was like, "Wow, why did my higher self choose this?" And it, it's absolutely fascinating because it even um, it even goes into where Dr. Brian Weiss had lost a child at 27 days old, and it, really that message hadn't come out anywhere really publicly or anything. You know, this was before because this was written back in the um, uh, in the in the 80s, I believe. So it wasn't like you had the internet to Google and, you know, do all that. And um, it, what it was, is this woman, Catherine, um, she would go into almost this trance state. And, you know, she was, she was telling things about, you know, those that have passed. And it was so, it, it was so powerful because it was even saying this, this, this little, this baby that passed, soul said, there was a reason. There's a higher reason, you know, and and I think that if we can look at that from any perspective, that there's some reason, but maybe we are given more than just that one chance. I would love to believe that we're given more than the one chance, because otherwise. How could we explain any of the things that happen in life?
1: That'd be very difficult. (laughs) So. Going back to the loss of, of well, the love of your life at that period of time and masking it and getting through that. How did you move on from that moment in time into the next stage of your life?
0: Well, that's it's funny. That took me a really, really, really long time to just be able to finally let go. Um, uh, it was one of the one of the really crazy ironies was that the woman uh, he left me for she messaged me on what was the ten year anniversary of my dad's memorial, which was his birthday, and she didn't know that. And I mean that put me in an absolute tailspin, you know. And it was one of those things that it was. Um, when you feel like you have that relationship, that almost it's like your your other half, and then it's gone. It's like how you never think that you will have that again. And um, and thankfully for any of the you know listeners who want to check it out, another Dr. Brian Weiss book called Only Love Is Real explains the different levels of soulmate and that you know we can have that again. And it's just we just need to be open. And so um, I think so much of it, if we can look at it as the lessons we're meant to learn, you know, how is it that our hearts supposed to open up, or um, uh, you know, because we can either shut down or we can grow from it, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was just I I I resigned myself that you know I won't be in a relationship just to be in a relationship. But then I was also very grateful to have even known that kind of relationship, because some people go through life and never experience that. And so, you know, it's just moving, again, just moving forward. But I was, but I was given so many of these signs. And and I will, I do recall, though, that on, um, after this had happened back in, what, 2000, 2014, it was uh, Christmas Eve that I remember talking to a family member and realizing that somehow this energy almost was released from me. And I felt like I was finally released of whatever that was. That was like finding my, my energy with his sort of thing. And a lot of it was actually just being able to accept it for what it was. You know, I mean, I, I will admit I had a really hard time with, um, the, the fact that he left me for somebody who could lie the way that she did, that was probably one of the things that really broke me. Um, I, think, um, I think that if he had left me for somebody who I was, you know, quote unquote, called a good person, <laughs> you know, like lying about cancer, that's a pretty rough one. But then it even allowed me to have compassion because how, I mean, what is it that would ever cause somebody to do that in the first place? You know, so um, when I started looking at really, you know, why would these lessons be what I meant to maybe go through for myself, that's how you can start letting go rather than playing a victim of victim in life, recognizing there's always growth in whatever those challenges are. And so it was... um, it, it, it was, I guess, ultimately, it was just accepting it for what it was, not denying what it was, you know, not being like, oh, it wasn't what I thought it was, or, you know, we, sh- we should never have gotten married, or, you know, whatever, just putting all of that aside, and just accepting it, that it was beautiful for the time that it was, and but there was a reason, maybe, also, for everything that had happened
1: so you guys <clears throat> left each other and sold the restaurant
0: no we went bankrupt <laughs> we went straight up bankrupt and and it's funny that we're we're segueing to that because this was my other greatest sign was um I, of course, was beyond humiliated, didn't want to, I felt like I was a trapped animal in my apartment. And I happened to have Oprah on the TV right after we closed the restaurant. And um, and I remember I was in my bedroom, I was doing laundry or something. And I, you know, didn't have a TV in my bedroom at the time. We didn't seem to have TVs everywhere at that time. Right. (laughs) And I heard these words and I was like, oh my goodness, that sounds like the author of Many Lives, Many Masters. And it was the 20th anniversary of the book. There's Dr. Brian Weiss talking to Oprah. And that to me was one of the greatest signs. Keep going, keep going, because what are the odds of that? You know, really, truly, what are the odds that after something so difficult in my life that this would be showing up? Absolutely. And so it was another thing just to keep going, keep following those, as we like to say with the Myronies, follow those spiritual breadcrumbs and they're going to show you to a much more divine picture.
1: So you hear his voice on the TV. And what is the next breadcrumb?
0: Well, that would be hard to say what the next breadcrumb was because at that time I didn't even recognize. I just recognized how crazy these coincidences were. So I didn't know, I didn't have a word for this at the time, but um, it just kept allowing me to connect to that, again, that higher perspective. So just trying to look at like, okay, there has to be something more, right? They just gotta keep fighting, gotta keep figuring it out. What is it? What is it? You know, what's this greater purpose? And so um, it wasn't until uh, years later that I realized that this word of irony was a universal word that everybody could use. And um, I, after I got out of the restaurant business, you know, I, I wanted to um, do something different. And so I kept looking, OK, what's, what's going to be my next career move? But you kind of get pigeonholed when you're in something for too long, right? And then it was funny because my, um, uh, someone had just told me you should sell cars. And then I meet someone who also was a finance manager and she's like, you should sell cars. And um, I was like, that's crazy. That happened in just a couple of weeks. So I was like, okay, I asked for something different. It was like, sure, if I could get into a high enough car line, high-end car line, then you know, I'll, I'll think about it. So I got this opportunity to sell Cadillac. And then my life fell apart yet again. I had lost my mom really quickly to um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, where she actually went faster than my dad did, um, where it was like September thought, September she was fine, October she thought she had the flu, November she was uh, hospitalized, December 1st she had just turned 70, and December 7th she passed away. And that put me into another tailspin. And so I then connected with somebody who um, he, he was considered kind of a bad soulmate in the sense that, you know, it was a very destructive, uh, it, was, it was not good. It was, it was not good at all. I've been honest in everything that I say, but he ended up having a heroin addiction and I had dealt with prescription drug addiction because of pain in the past and I thought I could help him. And I was just being taken down, drowning in this. And then a family member saw what was happening and gave me the opportunity to move to California. So, literally in six days, I packed up and moved to California. And um, it's kind of funny. Six is my lucky number, and in six days I got married. And in six days I packed up and you know flew. So, <laughs> but um, but when I got out to California, I should have sold Cadillacs, right? And something was like, no, not, not supposed to sell Cadillacs. So I ended up selling, uh, selling Jaguars and, and that if people, you know, want to hear more of my story and they start listening to the podcast, you hear how these people just kept showing up because I, I learned from the time that I didn't listen to my intuition to never go against it. And so because I chose not to ever go against my intuition again, that's when more and more interesting doors would continue to open up. And so I encourage everybody who's listening, you know, just pay attention to what your inner voice is telling you. I like to say, you discover this, you discover the myronies in your life, you start tapping into your own superpower. And so because mine's always just a sense, I call it my spiritual spidey sense. But, you know, there was something that absolutely told me, you know, you are not supposed to sell Cadillacs. I couldn't even, you know, drive. I couldn't even pull into the parking lot at the Cadillac dealership. I mean, my my mentor in the Cadillac business, he's like, he called out to the store. He's like, why haven't you been there? I said, I don't know. I'm not supposed to be doing this. But it was there with when I was selling Jaguars that, um, that people would say, how do you say your last name? And I'd say, it's like ironic, but with an M. And then I would add, there's a lot of irony in my life. and people would laugh. And then one day it hit me. And I was like, oh my goodness, my irony, my irony. I was like, this is a word for everyone. And it's literally the opposite of selfie because it's recognizing something so much greater. So I knew of this word back in, I guess it was 2000, it was 2014. Well, 2015, somewhere around there, that I, I came up with the word. But then it was actually on April 22nd of 2015 that I happened to, at the last minute, decide to uh, go with a family member to lunch. She was she was moving. She was going to be moving, and I tell her about this concept. And um, and and so that's when we officially brought it into the world. But what was really funny is that. I didn't know this at the time, but because I had to declare bankruptcy from my my former restaurant took me a really long time to do, I found out that I closed my restaurant on April 22nd, 2008. So it's those sorts of things I can't explain. I have no idea where this is meant to go to, you know, but I just think that if we can keep trying to follow the signs and just think that maybe there's a greater reason for everything that happens the story will keep unfolding more and more. And, you know, it just turns into a much more beautiful picture. That
1: it does. <clears throat> so you move to California, you are selling jaguars. And then in that experience, you meet new people and new experiences that lead you on to your next breadcrumb. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Well, that was an interesting breadcrumb because I, I, I left. So once um, uh, the, the dealership changed ownership and when that happened, there was a major shift that kind of happened in the whole dynamic of everything. And um, I chose to, to, to leave um, the car business and um, I, I then got into selling life insurance and mm-hmm. I did this um, for, for a year. And then, um, I was with my mentor for who I worked with Jaguar. And he tells me, he's like, you should meet my friend, Larry. And he says, he, you know, he's, he's this, this is, this is how he described. He's this white Catholic guy. And all he does is work in black churches has nothing to do with, with race. It had to do actually with religion because I was like why would I want to be working in these churches right what would be what would be my reason I'm not a religious person why would I even want to entertain this for two months it would not leave me I was like you're supposed to meet Larry you're supposed to meet Larry <laughs> and so I finally meet this guy and no and what's even funnier is he's almost 80 years old and so it was it was crazy Crazy though, because um, I ended up working with him. I ended up working in these churches. That's how actually I got over my fear of public speaking. That was really interesting, giving these presentations. Um, But I think I was shown this other side to to the way of how you know, looking at God, and it was actually one of the most beautiful things I ever witnessed. You know, being in these churches to to see those that are really a different way of praising God that's totally different than what I was brought up on the Catholic side. On the Catholic side, there's, this, you know, there's kind of a joke, you know, like, what do you feel like when you enter a church and it's guilt. Catholics are known for, you know, guilt, 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 guilt. You're always feeling guilty. And this was just such a beautiful way of celebration. And but. I believe I was shown this because I think I was a little judgmental against people who were overly religious. And not that there's anything wrong with religion. It's just that I couldn't just put it into this one way of thinking. But I still encouraged you know, everybody. It's like, we don't have to change what our religious beliefs are. But we only believe what we believe because we were, we were brought up with it. If we lived in another part of the world, that's most likely what we would believe. So if we can just open it up a little bit more, maybe there's so much more than we are even allowing ourselves to accept and maybe look at things that, because to me, it makes more sense that God's going to be like, I'm going to give this bit of wisdom, this bit of wisdom, this bit of wisdom, are they going to put it together or only claim one as their own? We claim only one as her own. Well, that's considered pride and that's considered one of the deadliest sins of them all, which you know, eh but what if we start putting it together a much more interesting picture could come out and you know the other thing is, is that so many people have turned against their maybe their own um, beliefs because because of uh what they were brought up with there's so many people that go the absolute opposite direction and it's like well maybe there's somewhere there's a greater balance that we need to find but really truthfully i think it's whatever is Speaks within you you know what is your what what is your own personal relationship and you know i i do i will admit i have a hard time when people say you know if it's not in the bible then it, it, it can't be and it's like you don't think anything could be taken out of the bible you think it's like how many different versions of the bible are out there but i'm also not saying to give up the bible i'm not saying to give up the torah i'm not saying to give up the Quran. i'm not saying to give up any of that but maybe not just take that one piece and think that that's the only piece. So I feel that that side of my life was very instrumental. Um, I do feel like I was able, yeah, it was was interesting. I I met so many amazing people in that part of my journey um, that I never would have been exposed um, to that culture in any way you know, being in, being in that, uh, in that environment, there's nothing that would have allowed me to have experienced that. And I'm so grateful. And I, I actually learned, I believe I learned finally how to pray and, you know, understanding that when you say that you feel blessed in life, that it was coming from a place more or, or just feeling blessed coming from a, a place within the heart, and not looking at it from this more religious perspective, and, and just being able to openly say things in more of that uh, church, I uh, don't you know what I'm trying, like not in a religious manner and in a spiritual, but not necessarily denying that peace also, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah it makes a lot of sense i mean it, it's if i could summarize it in in a different way it's religion is there to help us be better as long as we don't take it to the point of the extremes of of being an absolute because if there's one thing that religion can teach us is that nothing is absolute everything has shades and and there's a forgiveness and you can't forgive if you're absolute you have to you have to open yourself up to come back to the center right come back to that that point of
0: openness yeah I love how I love how you say that I, I absolutely agree. I think that, you know, I think more than anything, if we can, again, look from that place of compassion and not a place of judgment. And so many times, um, uh, like, I, I will say it's hard for me to, for, for those on the Christian side who want to just believe in a heaven and a hell and, you know, you don't believe and that's where, and it's like, why would you even want to have you know, a higher power have only those two options. <laughs> you know, like and and that's one of the things I love uh, the 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 wisdom in Dr. Brian Weiss's books. Like he was given this vision of Earth being a one-room schoolhouse, and we're all at different grades. And it's like, well, you know, so if someone's acting out, and you know, you can look at them as being a you know a toddler in their spiritual growth people only know what they're able to understand whatever their awareness is, right? If if we would hope that everybody is doing the best that they can in in, in their own personal growth but in most cases, why that personal growth isn't happening well, maybe it comes from a place more of fear than anything. How, you know, and, and then it's like, well how do people move forward because they're holding on to this place of fear and that's where you know the the where anger can come from, abuse can come from, you know, uh, being too prideful, judgmental, all of that. Well, if we break it down even more on a compassionate level, most likely the underlying uh, emotion is fear. And so I think that when we can really truly start looking at everybody from that place of compassion, that's why. I believe, you know, I, I absolutely do connect to, you know, uh, Jesus being a, 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 an amazing guiding light because you, you can't express any more compassion than who Jesus was, you know, what Jesus represented. Mm-hmm. And that's really powerful, you know, but you don't have to, we, we just, I just encourage you know it's like the the religious dogma of things we don't necessarily you know we don't we don't need to accept all of you know that coming forward but what is it that's speaking in your heart
1: yeah the heart the most important part
0: (laughs) right and then then to continue on the journey because I did work with this guy, Larry, it ended up connecting me with who was my original co-host, Todd Todd. Courtney. Yep. So when you start looking at these pieces, like I could not have put that together if I tried. And it even (laughs) comes down to how you and I connected. We connected because I spoke at the, the event for Connect Ottawa, and it happened to be on my mom's birthday. And that was not planned. So when we start looking at these these level of this, I love to say the divine design. There has to be something more. There has to be something greater, you know. And and it's through. I mean, I I know the the trials and tribulations we go through in life, you know, and and the difficulties, but um. I think um, I, I have a I have a friend named Heidi Rome, and uh, she has um, a son whose name is Ethan, who's nonverbal autistic, and through um, uh, through a machine that I guess is kind of controversial. There was a message that had come out where you know she she asked a question about you know about God, and it was something that I'm totally paraphrasing here, but it was something along the lines of, like, Ethan knew, he said, you know, I'm, I'm an ascended master, and I I know I will um, receive, you know, why, what I'm going through in this life is for greater things in the future, you know, and it's like, okay, if you want to look at it from that perspective, well, what if we look at all of the, our, um, the younger souls, And that have gone through really difficult things in life and you know and i'll even say you know Danny I know you lost your little girl to. But she had to have absolutely been a little ascended master here to teach something because why else would why else would God allow that to happen. You know. And I think that if we can really, and and that's what's so beautiful is that he gave this message to his mom. Uh, She's like, well, what am I supposed to do? he says, all you have to do, all you have to do is love me. And, you know, going back to um, Dr. Brian Weiss losing, I think he was his son, somewhere in the first 20 days and, and this, and the same, the, the reason why he, Dr. Weiss went into psychiatry was because uh, regular medicine couldn't save his son. Well, maybe, maybe that sacrifice was made so that this greater understanding or awareness could come out, because it was through Dr. Brian Weiss's work that all this information came out, connected to uh, past life regression therapy and and things along that line that if he had gone into general medicine, that never would have happened. So if we can start looking at even when we've lost our greatest losses, maybe there still is a much higher reasoning. And that's at least that's what I want to continue to believe in.
1: It's a good belief. To get back to your story, You have met a phenomenal amount of people over the past few years, and you've started creating this empire called That's My Ready. And I don't mean empire in a rush, rush, take domination of the world, but I mean empire as in it is growing in such a way and bringing such positivity to the world that it it's the new rising sun of of a new way of thinking about the world how many episodes have you had so far 51
0: 51 episodes
1: And what was one of your favorite? I know they're all really good. I've listened to every one of them so far. (laughs) And which one was your favorite so far?
0: I have to say the one with Dave Sanderson, who was on the plane Miracle on the Hudson. um, That was probably the most powerful one of this much higher divine level of like how he and I connected was just unbelievable. And what's really funny is that I was invited to the event um, that he was going to be at December 7th, which was the anniversary of my mom's passing. It was literally right after I did the event with Connect Ottawa when Mm -hmm. I met you. And so I, I that was that was just so unbelievable hearing his story and hearing the guidance of, you know, he hears his mom about when he's on this plane and, you know, they don't know if they're gonna live or die. Most likely they're going to die. And, you know, following following that guidance. And then, you know, rather than um, experiencing uh, more along the lines of PTSD, he had po- post covid uh, post traumatic growth. So he, this, and it was actually studied by these universities because of how positive it was through this trauma that he was able to grow so much. And, um, and then if anybody listens to that episode, there was just so many myronies that happened between him and I, it was just unbelievable where even where he did his, Ted talk was at the, um, the university, my dad went to school in Canada, Queen's University, and it was just like, what are the odds, you know, so um, that was one of my favorites. And I also have to say the one with my godparents, where how they saved six people's lives in the Bermuda,
1: <laughs>
0: in the Bermuda Triangle. That was, that's an incredible story.
1: <laughs> I remember Todd saying how are we going to top of this one
0: <laughs> yeah that one was that one's amazing but it just comes down to you know I guess the things are really meant to be they they happen and you know but looking from this just this greater perspective of like no we don't have all the answers and maybe we're not meant to have all the answers but if we start, looking at it and it's almost like how we say reading between the lines we start i guess reading between the signs (laughs) you know paying attention to things that are kind of in this 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 uh it's like a realm that you can't even understand but it starts showing up more and more And uh, there's an incredible book called The Celestine Prophecy, where it, it literally talks about it literally is what Myrony is. It's like you start I've recognizing. Yeah. So you start recognizing the synchronicities to the point where you don't even think, you just start acting. And that's what Myrony is synchronicity emotion. And then what it does is it raises your, um, your uh, vibrational level to a point where they say you can then witness heaven on earth. And that is really beautiful, if that's what we can actually ever get to. And I can't explain it, but I somehow witnessed that um, uh, six years ago. I don't know what happened, but I did. I got to experience something that I never thought I would ever experience on a spiritual level. And so if anybody wants to really hear that story, they can go to my friend's episode on sense of soul episode, Um it came out on February 22nd of 2021. And, um, and it was just, I can't explain it. But for some, somehow, I will say I spent 24 hours with God. I don't know how, but I got to witness something that I, I don't understand what it was. But all I know is that I didn't make it up, just like everything that I've been sharing so far in this. I haven't made it up. I can't explain it but I can't deny it. And so I feel that I'm just a messenger here to maybe share this, you know, a diff, just a different way of looking at it, you know, like giving this, because I was so lost in what I felt or believed. And if I can give anybody, you know, maybe just another way of looking at something who may also feel lost in life, but be able to connect to that more divine connection because I, I will say you know the, the who I had met in this omnipresent energy was so cool and was actually like why does everybody think I'm this old buddy duddy I'm just the coolest thing ever right you know like why would he not make himself cool <laughs> and there is a female side to it too there's not you know like there's there's, there's different, you know, aspects of this energy that we don't necessarily understand. But, you know, in my logo of my Winky is how I represent God is love with an awesome sense of humor. And, you know, one of the things of maybe looking at, rather than saying God is the reason for these things that have happened, maybe God is the one that allows these things to happen. Because it's our, it's, it's our free will, it's our, it's our choice. And how things happen and when we maybe look at it that way we are able to totally put a different spin on things and truly gain the power back in our lives that we're in more control than we think and you know again what's the greater what what is that greater picture that we're, we're we're trying to see
1: I'm going to let the audience go and find that podcast versus exploring it here because it is, it is a great story and I do believe it's something that they should listen to. Um, if only for the experience that you felt. But also, you know what? It's great to talk or it's great to, to listen to another podcast to get another sense of of what they think the world is experiencing at the same time. So Mm -hmm. your story has been one of immense loss and immense height and everything in between traveling, love, loss, experiences that can't be explained and experiences that Defy gravity. <laughs> what is next for you?
0: I have no idea, honestly. My really, truly, my, my, my mission, if I could say my mission in life is just to be a messenger, be, um, uh, be this vehicle, to just try to bring this more beautiful awareness that we might not have, everybody experiences these, these myronies in their life. Everybody can come up with, you know, somehow they've had these things that they just can't explain what's happened. But if we start connecting to that more and more, I think it will raise this vibrational energy as a, you know, they they talk about the collective consciousness. Well, what if we start raising that energy because we're recognizing something that's so much greater than ourselves on a much more regular basis? And so um, I like to say, step aside, let God guide, because I have no idea what the future holds. Um, I just, in this experience as I was shown a lot of things unfolding. And I, I, again, can't explain it. And, you know, who knows? Maybe I really am just straight up crazy, but (laughs) I'll be the first one to admit it. I'll be the first one to say it. But at the same time, I know personally that I couldn't have made any of this up if I tried. And so I just kind of, you know, See where the path continues, being open, you know, when an opportunity opens up, it's that whole thing of saying, you know, walking through the door that Mm -hmm. in improv, they're always saying yes. And so it continues the conversation. And so I just, I really hope more than anything that one day my irony is in everybody's vocabulary like selfie is and people can start sharing them and start connecting on this much greater level. Because when it is absolutely amazing how many people experience similar, you know, similar things that they're just like, how is that possible? Well, what if we really start connecting on that much greater scale? I think it will just be, I, I, I think it could just change the world in such a beautiful way. So what, does, what's in store for my irony? I have no idea.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so let's look at this from a different way before we, we start wrapping this up. What is one thing that you would advise or help people, advice that you would give to people to start them on their journey?
0: It's when you see something that makes you question like, huh, like, why am I paying attention to that? And especially when you see it more than once, just start recognizing it, start bringing this awareness to it, even share it with somebody, you know, like if you hear a song on the, and you, and you think it sounds like it's being played for you, yeah, maybe it is. You know, if you've lost a loved one and you can ask for, you know, ask for a sign. There's a beautiful book called Signs the Secret Language of the Universe, my irony. <laughs> She just doesn't know it yet. Her name's uh, Laura Lynn Jackson, it's an incredible psychic medium, but she talks about how you can get signs from loved ones that have passed. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things, you know? So I, I, I just think that when you start being more aware of your surroundings, but removing yourself from the surroundings, from, from what you're witnessing, recognizing that, you know, you're connected to it, but maybe something on a much greater level. But then it's also trusting those gut feelings. Always trust your gut feeling. How many times when you went against your gut is when things, you know, there, there's very few times where people are, oh, I totally trusted my gut feeling and it was totally wrong. But we choose not to trust it as much. And so I always encourage people when the, the little hamster wheel in our brain is doing the what if, what if, what if, and you know, I don't know which way to go. It's kind of like, okay, just you know, take a moment, sit, and then be like, okay, what is it that my, you know, my my heart, my soul is telling me to do and take a chance. Because most likely, I think that that's the direction we're meant to take. Because we're trusting on such a deeper level.
1: That's lovely. I, I think that's great advice. Start looking and recognizing. And pull yourself out. But still be there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, be present with it.
1: So we are going to be sharing this on both of our podcast zones so i'd like on my side where can people find you and how well, can they get in touch with you
0: well you can go to that's dot and you can find me on instagram facebook you know with that's my Irony and also at Alicia myronic it's pretty pretty easy uh where um there's only really one of me with my name <laughs> and can always uh yeah always connect any anywhere on either the website or on social media always uh always message me
1: thank you so much for letting me interview you alicia it has been lovely and you have such a phenomenal story that i i've heard it multiple times now and it's still it brings me with new insight each time I hear it.
0: Oh, well, thank you, Denny. Well, I'm going to flip flip it on you. So how can people connect with you and your, you know, with, the, with your show?
1: Well, uh, The Story of You is on YouTube. Uh, you can just look it up, The Story of You. Uh, I have a Facebook page for it as well. Or you can connect me uh, with my business, Denny at RamseyBrownMedia.ca. And from there, I... I'd love to try and connect with anybody else because I love hearing people's story and bringing them out to the world.
0: Oh well, thank you. Well, it was your suggestion that we we do this kind of dual uh, <laughs> dual show, which was really fun. So thank you so much for for turning the tables and you know you being the host for that's my irony. And
1: uh... <laughs> I'm not doing Todd justice, but you know what. <laughs> yeah, go ahead
0: you know you, you had some you had some tough questions there so you know i i, I appreciate you. you definitely had me thinking
1: <laughs> <laughs> so for everybody else go back watch some or listen to some of uh, alicia's earlier podcasts they have been amazing eye-opening there's so many good stories in there and people and just the myronies that are come out of there inspired me and I would just say that they would probably inspire you as well
0: oh well thank you so thank much you, Danny well so now I guess I'll take the the mic back and say to listeners I'll see you next time on that's Myrony, and Danny you can take it, take it away for (laughs) the story of you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's the story of you, Alicia Myron.
0: Thank you all for joining me on That's Myrony podcast. I hope you enjoyed the Myronic stories shared today and possibly got you to connect to the Myronies in your own life. As you listen to this podcast, you'll start catching signs that are so subtle but can have the biggest impact on your life. So pay attention to that inner voice and watch the Myronies appear in your life, just like the guest in my next episode. And please connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and that's Myronie.com where you can share your unbelievable Myronies. Also, if you enjoyed what you heard and can take a moment to like, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting platform, it would mean so much because that is how others are able to find this podcast. Finally, please also tell your friends and family about Myrony because wouldn't it be fun to see people share their Myronies on social media in addition to their selfies? And remember, if something happens that makes you say, well, that's ironic, it's not ironic at all it's Myronic. Now that's Myrony. See you next time.